It's time for the latest local, regional, and national sports topics of the day. It's the Sports Fan, presented by J&K Contracting. Ready? Now, from the WATH studios, here's Connor Mills. From the studios of WATH, this is the Sports Fan on 970 and 97.1 FM. Connor Mills on the mic alongside David Saltzman on this 28th day of May, 6.06 on the clock and 83 degrees and mostly sunny outside here in Athens, Ohio. Sports Fan presented by J&K Contracting. Always appreciate their support. And our phone lines are open at 740-592-6646. David Saltzman back with us again. Master's in Education, focus on community counseling from Ohio University. Seminar paper, The Need and Benefits of Counseling for Professional Athletes. Certified agent with the National Basketball Players Association from 1998 to 2018. It's great to have you back with us, David. Great being here, Connor. Uh, when mentioning my seminar paper, that was about the time when there were no face guards and there were leather helmets that football players <laughs> were using. No, of course. Technology has definitely improved since then. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's... Talking about football, though, I mean, today Ohio State kind of reached out to some of their ticket holders, and they were trying to explain what the early ticketing plan for 2020 will be, uh, and it will be a difficult decision for everybody involved to try to figure out, you know, how many people are going to be allowed into Ohio State Stadium. Is there going to be people allowed into the stadium come this fall? Are there fans going to be allowed? If so, how many fans? It's just going to be a big, big, uh, you know, topic of discussion because a they can fit a hundred thousand fans in that stadium and b you know it might not be good to fit one hundred thousand fans in that stadium at this time i think the interesting thing there you know uh, i'm sure a lot of people are going to be discussing it this in the next month or so and as we know, the NBA is considering having a season possibly in July is what I've been hearing or players getting back in late June. But as far as college football in that way, uh, there's a lot of experts out there. There's a lot, I don't mean us, the fan per se, but business experts, university chancellors and presidents of universities and each conference has a commissioner with a tremendous business backing. So I guess they'll look at it, see what science indicates and uh, the money involved, which is, I guess, a billion dollars easy. And it seems like they'll make a decision from there. And, and it'll be a tough decision, especially for Power 5 schools, because normally in the Power 5, you know, they have the bigger stadium sizes here at Ohio uh, I think we have the capacity for around 24,000 or somewhere in the ballpark. I'd have to check Peden Stadium's number. Uh, but still, you know, it is a uh, not we're not talking about the sheer size that Ohio State Stadium has. But with, with Peden Stadium, you know, it, it's going to look a lot differently. Uh, we won't be able to have the big crowd for homecoming as of right now. And who knows? I mean, guidance can change. You know, the guidelines can change the uh, you know, recommendations uh, from the state or national government could change. Uh, but for now, you know, at least you got to tip the cap to Ohio State because they're trying to put a plan in place, getting ready for the fall season, whenever that may happen. 
And usually when a situation like that occurs, maybe one school or I didn't hear this until you mentioned it today. Uh, maybe like when one conference or one school puts things in action or a plan, there's usually uh, an effect where a lot of other conferences and schools are doing the same thing. Whether or not it was Ohio State first, we'd all have to do research on that. Right, you have to do research. And I know Michigan has stated, uh, I think the University of Michigan said that they were not going to allow any fans or any, they, they were not going to play football if students were not going to be allowed back on campus. Now, if students are not allowed back on campus, if we have to go remote come this fall, then there goes another question. You know, will they still be college football, where there still be, you know, fall sports uh, when there's no students on campus? Because even I've heard that they're, they're talking about, all right, let's move up the, the year for college sports uh, or just the, the uh, collegiate season or the, the academic year. We'll move it up a couple weeks have Thanksgiving week off and don't have the kids come back until after uh, you know, after the new year, you know, and uh, after, I guess, was it January at some date? But then you'd have from the last Thursday or second last Thursday in November all the way up until about the second week in January where you wouldn't have any kids on campus, which would reduce, you know, or try to reduce the amount of spread of a virus, you know, we, we of course don't know what could come in the future, uh, but but they're now trying to figure out. All right, do you just go virtual for the spring year? Do you just bring kids back when it's at a low point right now, when it's safe for everybody, and then have them stay home and do remote learning? But these are all questions that they're trying to ponder and trying to get, uh, well, hopefully try to get an answer to sooner rather than later. And I think you know we are a sports show, obviously, so it. It, this lends to discussion. And I'm just interested to see how the uh, money makers, the business of sports, the collegiate athletic directors, etc., television. I mean, it's, it's endless. It's a billion-dollar industry. And, and, in fact, the other night I was talking to someone, and I, I, I made it an error. I thought uh, maybe not that many schools made profits from football, uh, just the football world, but I think that was a mistake, and I think there is a lot of money uh, the power schools are making when it comes to football. Right, and I saw, I, don't, I know you know the name David Ridpath, right? I don't know if you know uh, a whole lot about him, but I saw an article that was posted, I think, by USA Today, and it was the Drake group that Ridpath uh, you know, heads up. And he was talking about Rutgers, you know, and he said that, you know, if Rutgers did not join the Big Ten, the way that they were spending, they could not have been continuing that pace of spending to try to compete with other sports. And, you know, they're trying to bring, they just got Greg Schiano, uh, they brought him back. Schiano was an assistant at Ohio State under Urban Meyer for a couple of years, and uh, they, they got him back as a head coach of Rutgers. But, you know, they spent a whole lot more money than they did uh, the first time that they had Shiano uh, coaching at Rutgers. But he basically said in the article, you know, if Rutgers did not join the Big Ten, and the Big Ten has the money. You know, the Big Ten has the TV deals. It has uh, you know, the bigger stadiums, which gate revenue. It's got the more uh, notoriety. You, know, you can sell merchandise. You see the Block R almost as often as you see the uh, the Ohio O in the state of Ohio. The, the red and, what is it, Garnet, Garnet and Gray? For Ohio State, like it's uh, 
uh, as what Ohio State is to football here, that's kind of what Rutgers is there. But Rutgers is not on that level. And had they not joined the Big Ten, they wouldn't have that. Uh, they wouldn't be able to get that money. Uh, so money is definitely going to play a factor into this too. Well, it's like you just mentioned, conference affiliation is such a huge factor because you mentioned like a Rutgers going in the Big Ten, uh, Wake Forest in the in the Atlantic Coast Conference. I still believe. I believe so. You get these a lot of schools where maybe attendance is not as high as the top tier teams within the same conference all benefit financially from being involved in the conference affiliation. Now, you know, I'll ask the question to you, and I know that you probably don't have the answer to this, but let's say that we go virtual for school in the fall, right? We have a virtual fall. There are no students on campus, and they're going to wait until the spring to bring people back. Do you think college football and other fall sports, let's throw other fall sports in there too because you still have volleyball, you still have uh, you have field hockey uh, still playing in the fall, I'm trying to think of other sports, uh, soccer, uh, you have that's a fall sport here. Uh, do you think that all those sports will participate come this fall if there's no students on campus? Well, I'll take it a step further. If that happens and all the moms in town that I know are run into and have to watch their children every single day, uh, people are going to pull their hair out. There'll be so many bald people from here <laughs> on in. So let's take it one step at a time and see what happens there. Yeah, because I, I only bring that up again because Michigan was talking about that and said, hey, if there's no students on campus, then we're not going to have uh, any football here, which I kind of find hard to believe. You know, because if Michigan does not have football this year, uh, I, I think the rest of the Big Ten is planning on moving ahead with you know, having a football season. I, I think everybody else is planning on having a season, regardless if there's going to be students on campus or not. You might have to find some housing for those student-athletes, but I do think that you will have some kind of college season, especially if you know professional sports start coming back. Because the NHL just laid out its plan uh, to come back uh, you know, whenever they can come back. They haven't had a, an opportunity to come back yet. Uh, they're still waiting for guidelines and stuff like that to, to loosen up. But the NHL said they're just going to forego the rest of the regular season and they're going to jump right into the postseason. So I think if professional sports find a way, I think if the non-contact sports, and Ohio's been starting to open up a little bit, if Ohio starts to open up again uh, and have a couple baseball games then yeah, I, I think there's going to be some kind of sports anyway uh, come this fall. And we do have a, a caller on the line. I might believe, or I might know who this is, but caller, you're on the sports fan. Yeah, what's going on, guys? Paul Barron here. How are you guys doing? You know, I just texted you to see where you are. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I am in Indiana right now, and I'm just, it's a sunny day, and I'm going to head outside and to talk to you guys outside. Is that right? That's fantastic. And I, Connor, do you want to give a, a, it's, should it's I a funny, give a, it's a funny time here in Indiana, what everything goes. May is, if you know anything about Indianapolis, that's the biggest, like the biggest month of the year because of the Indy 500. And so with everything going on with the COVID, it just feels weird. There's no racing. There's no, nothing open. So anyways, but at least everybody's healthy and less people are dying. So that's more important. Let me say something real quick to the audience and uh, we get, every time you call from here on in we did introduce you i think connor yes connor mentioned it on twitter that you'll be calling in 
Paul Barron is a Hall, and he's very humble, folks. He's a Hall of Fame basketball player from OU during great times when we were going to the NCAA tournament frequently. Uh, just a great human being. He was the captain of the Bobcats, and that's a question I want to direct today. And he comes from a, bas a professional basketball family. Paul, we're talking a lot lately about the sociology of sports. So let me ask you something. You were the captain of the Bobcats, correct? Yes, I was. How was yeah, that? I was the co-captain. Tell me about that experience. It was, it, it was something that I cherished because um, I believe no matter how talented you are with any type of sport, team, or anything you do in life, if you don't have proper chemistry, then you're never going to be a champion. And I mean, I could I could share that with you because we weren't we weren't the most talented OU team that they've ever had. I mean, when I graduated, they had two pros on that team: Dave Jamison and Paul Snoopy Graham. And I don't think they had ever won the MAC while they were there. So I cherished it because it was back in the '80s. Um, and where I grew up, Cooper Park Projects, I, we, we, nobody had anything, so nobody locked their door in the projects. As opposed to nowadays when you, you have these big homes and everybody's trying to keep up with the so-called Joneses, and they get home, and the minute they do it, they put their garage door open with the, with the opener, and then they shut it right behind them, so you don't even know who your neighbors are with us. Everybody knew us, and that was the most important thing that I did when I was at OU was getting everybody together. We had people from Philadelphia. We had people from Indiana. We had people from Maryland. We had people from North Carolina. We had people from New York. We had them from all over Ohio. And to group everybody together, I made sure that we did a lot of stuff together. We went bowling. We did everything. And if you didn't like doing that, then... You weren't going to fit in with the team. So we didn't demand them be there, but it was very, very highly we referred. We made sure that people wanted to be there. And the ones that didn't usually didn't stay on the team and weren't part of the greatness that we had. Wow. that's, a, that's I like hearing that. But I want to say, yes, and I want to direct this in that same direction, maybe taking a little spin, and I'm not going to talk about politics. What I'm trying to talk, think about, and I only met, I, I watched you play, but I met you later in life. We, you know, you're like an extended family member. But here you are, you're coming from New York, and yes, you came from the projects. So you come to Ohio, and there was a, there was a lot of African-American players on your team. And how was it for those players when they would go home, because uh, I'm sure you went with them. You might have taken a couple of players to Brooklyn here and there. Uh, was there cultural divide because of race or ethnicity, or, or tell me about this? No, there, I I think there there could have been, but I didn't allow. I just didn't allow it because I mean Robert Tatum was my bless his soul. He passed away a couple three years ago, and he was, in my opinion, one of the greatest guards OU ever had. Um, Robert Tatum, Eddie Hicks, he was from North Carolina. John Devereaux was from Brooklyn. Yeah. Uh, Vic Alexander was from uh, Philadelphia. Could have went anywhere in the country. Used to beat the crap out of Patrick Ewan in high school. I mean, we had all these guys that all came. They were all All-Americans, if you will. They weren't McDonald's All-Americans, but they Vic definitely was, and Devereaux definitely was out of Lincoln High School. 
And basically, I just didn't allow it. I just kept pushing forward. And they probably thought I was crazy. This, who was this crazy white kid? And I just kept just staying in their face and just telling them, you know, let's do this together. Let's do, you know, if we miss a class, Danny Nee was another one that was, he was our coach. He was an ex-Marine Vietnam vet. He was from Brooklyn. So he knew what I had in me because he knew me since I was in the second grade. He grew up with all my brothers playing basketball. And Danny played with Lou Alcinda. And he was from Brooklyn. And so we had that thing. When Francis Schiller was another Brooklyn guy. Jeff Thomas was from Brooklyn. He was, he was transferred from Georgia. And I just didn't allow it. I just was in their face. And they probably thought I was crazy. But you know what? At the end of the day, we were all in the bunker together. And that's how we kept it. We didn't do any trips to Europe and all that. That would have been nice. But the trips we did... We went and we did stuff for for uh, the school that was in, um, Chil- not Chillicothe, there was a school for learning disabled people, and mm-hmm. me and Rob volunteered, and I brought Devereaux there, and then when we would go home, I brought Rob back. We played it in New York, and I took them back to where I grew up, and they were like, holy, really, Paul? <laughs> you had three bedrooms and ten people in the in the house, in the, an apartment, and you lived there for 35 years? I mean, you do the math, but it, it was... We never had this. So they were, I was very fortunate to live that way, and they, they knew that on the court I was never going to give up, and I never wanted to lose. So I, and, and they followed my lead. So that was the most important thing. Chemistry, you could have the best athletes, you could have the most talent, but if you don't have chemistry in anything you do with a team, you're never going to win. And that, that proves you could see that nowadays with, with when Butler, I mean, they went to the NCAA final twice. Butler, tiny school here in Indianapolis. I mean, they had chemistry. You could ask any coach in America. They'll tell you not the most talented teams they had were the greatest teams. It was the teams that had the best chemistry. And I was fortunate enough with six older brothers and an older sister to uh, to learn that uh, about chemistry and getting along and not looking at anybody for color, for race, for ethnicity, where they're from, nothing. Just stand up. Everybody puts their shorts on, their pants on, one, one at a time, your shoes on. And you don't hold anything against anybody. No prejudgments. Don't judge a book by its cover. And you just go out there, and you just come together. And you're only as strong as your weakest link. So we wanted to make sure everybody was a strong link. You know, Paul, the way you uh, present, I may have to make. We should make calls. Get Dan Docker to off that show in Indy. Get Franny uh, to do high school. You could move right into their seats. Well, I appreciate that. Well, I, I, I've lived a lot, and I'm, I, like you said, I, I don't. I get on radio shows, and I, they love me on the radio shows because I'm just me, and I'm just. And there's not a there's not many people that grew up well, like I grew up, and have, you know, and I've got three beautiful kids. I've got a grandson that's going to be one years old, June fifth. Gee, Louise. He's already hitting the basketball. He's already he's shooting. His, I got him ambidextrous. You know, it's that <laughs> left and right. He's going both ways. <laughs> so anyway. What do you think as you look at the climate of sports? I, uh, you know, Zakaya went, just graduated Georgetown. I noticed that one of his friends, McClung, just transferred to Texas Tech from Georgetown. I think the number now is like 800 this year transfers. Now, let, let me uh, emphasize here that your brother was a major college coach, and we'll talk about that later because we'll run out of time here, like a major college coach at Canisius, right. Rhode Island, St. Francis, Notre Dame, and your two nephews. St. Nep- Bonaventure, right? St. Yeah. Bonaventure, that's right. That's right. And then your two nephews, besides your own family, your, your immediate family, like, you know, 
PJ and everybody, your two nephews play professional basketball overseas and they don't pit play for a couple of bucks. They're in the Euro League and the Euro Cup, just like you see uh, the guy from the Bucks and all these people. That's where they play, the Europeans. So they're making serious money because they're that good. Right. What do you think about mm-hmm. what do you think about all the transfers every year? What do you think? Well about I, I I you know what I was fortunate I played for Mr. Current and, and I had a coach that outside of high school that coached all my brothers, Bob Gatluski and um and they, they, there's no nowadays what I see, and I'm not in the. My son played AAU. There's too many cooks in the kitchen, if you ask me. That there's just too many people in these young kids. That's what they are, kids. They're 15, 16, 17, 18. Then they go to college. They're 18, 19, 20. There's too many people in their ear, and with social network and everybody's blowing a lot of smoke up, you know where. And it's just, it's a shame. It really is a shame. Because the people that, you know, you, you want to go to college to get an education and because basketball is not going to last long. Everybody's got a goal of making the NBA. But guess what? My two nephews are making a very, very good living. Mm-hmm. They didn't make it in the NBA. Billy might still have a shot in the next couple of years because he was the MVP of the Euro Cup uh, last year, and he's done phenomenal. But there's a very few. The percentage is one. I think it's one, uh, uh, one, 1% of 1% of everybody that plays basketball makes it to the NBA. Mm-hmm. And these kids got to get with it. I think they need to do something. Anybody that gets a scholarship, the NCAA needs to step in and do something with these players. And not only basketball players, but with everybody. You're there for what reason? You're ready to get an education. You're ready to get a college life. Thank God I went to college. It was this great, great four years of my life. Go there. Learn how to deal with people. Learn how to deal with professors. Learn how, it's, and, and, and get involved in things. Uh, if you're not on the basketball team, just if you're swimming, you're whatever. My daughter was a synchronized swimmer at Ohio State. Mm-hmm. She won two national championships at Ohio State as a synchronized swimmer. My daughter, Caitlin, she was a dance, and she was on the dance team at Indiana. She got graduated from Indiana. College is so important, and I think we're missing out when we all these people are involved in these people. They're just they're the coaches, the AAU coaches, and well, who has to, if you have to sit out and not sit out, they really need to, to, to work with these kids. And, and educate them on the why they're there. If they're, if they're not there to go to school, then don't make them go to school. They, they're not really good with school, but you know what? When they're done with basketball, you, you need to read. You need to how to balance a checkbook. You need to how to do your taxes. You need to, you need to learn about insurance. Where are they going to learn that stuff? Well, that's where you learn that stuff in college. So I think the NCAA needs to step in and get the program started before. Um, I was in, involved with a, a, a camp. I was a counselor. And then I was also a camper. There was 125 best players in the country, and I was fortunate enough to get in there. It was held at Princeton, and it was called AFBE, and it stood stand, for Athletes for Better Education. It was nine days in Princeton. Mm-hmm. They didn't have air conditioning. We didn't have anybody bringing us meals. We didn't have – it was – we've only played one game a day. The rest of the time was we listened to lectures. We listened to Bill, Senator Bill Bradley. We listened to Muhammad Ali. We listened to Quinn Buckner. We listened to Jerry West. We listened, and it was nine days. And guess what happened? Halfway through, maybe after the second day, it went down to maybe 90 kids because nobody wanted to be there because they didn't want that. And then after the half, half the way, it was down to 75 because these kids are, I'm here for basketball. I want free sneakers. I want this. Well, then you weed them out. But guess what? They should make that a requirement for any athlete, not only basketball, baseball, swimming, any type of NCAA. They need to get involved. And let's get this plan. They're making enough money, and it's supposed to be a nonprofit organization. It's held right here in Indianapolis. That's their home office. 
and that CEO and chairman of the NCAA, I think, makes $10 million a year. And that's supposed to be a nonprofit. We'll take some of that money and put it in there to help these kids because they're all coming from the projects. Not all of them, but a lot of them coming from the project and of broken families. I was fortunate my mom and dad were together forever. And that's, that's where it needs to start. They need to just put a program. But I, I think they're just they're focused on money-making, CBS, getting a big contract. And I don't know. They need to do something. I don't have the answer, but they need to do something. That's great hearing from you, Paul. And, I, and what I'm emphasizing to the audience, and I'm thanking you for sure, and emphasizing to the audience that you're, you are very experienced in this world. This isn't book learning. We all learn from books, but yours is life experience, and we really appreciate you here. And I want to thank you. I think it's almost time that we wrap things up at this station, but we look forward to having you on more frequently. Anytime you guys want, I can talk about any subject with anything. I don't mind one bit. Yeah. Uh, you're a great man, David Salzman, and thank you. thank you so much for putting me on. And I'm, I'm, I can't wait to come down there and see everybody once this pandemic is over. They, they lift everything. I miss you guys. Thank you so much, Paul. miss you, too. All right. Have a, have a great weekend. Take care, bye. You, too. Bye. Thanks, Paul. Always appreciate Paul Barron calling in. And, of course, that brings it close to the sports fan. I think we'll be going back up to a full hour for the sports fan starting next week. Uh, but it's always great to have Paul Barron. Hall of Fame, Ohio University class of 2004. Graduated back in 1986. Great to have him on. And great to have you on, Dave, as we keep you on here every Thursday. I think it's been a month now. Fantastic. Thanks so much for having me, Connor. Uh, this has been the Sports Fan 970 and 97.1 FM, WATH, sponsored by JK Contracting. We've got Columbus Blue Jackets. It's a rewind coming your way tonight at 7 o'clock. For David Saltzman, Paul Barron, I'm Connor Mills signing off. Thanks for joining us and see you tomorrow at 6.06.